So clearly making a vaccine is not a simple process. Which part of the virus is best suited to make an antibody against? Will it last? Will human beings accept it? Will they have this tremendous reaction? So we are not. Those, those two trials in particular, the one in the UK and the one up, up in Northwest of this country are probably the two most promising. But again, we are still a long ways away. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put my million dollar bet on any of those companies being the final vaccine carrier, final vaccine maker. Life is a trip. No matter where you've been or where you're going, you might have more in common with someone on the other side of the world than you think. Let's go. Hi there, everybody. It's Gio, and I am back. I actually went on a, a little holiday, like vacation to just get away from Germany for a bit with my boyfriend and yeah like go somewhere because actually over here in Europe the restrictions are not as strict as in the U.S. so we were fortunate enough to be able to drive down to Italy um, also visit a friend in Switzerland before that and then um, after going to Italy we drove back up to Austria to visit Florian's parents and meet up together there and have a really great time so yeah, overall, it was a super nice little holiday, um, but one of the topics on my mind was, of course, the coronavirus, as everyone else is obviously thinking of that around the world, and I was super excited with this episode to finally be able to interview my mom's boyfriend, Dr. Brian Thompson, who um, has been really busy, of course, in the ER where he works at a hospital in LA um, because of the coronavirus. And, and yeah, so it's been very interesting to hear his perspective. And I'm really excited to share this episode with you. And then everyone can sort of, I guess, get a better understanding of what it's like to travel during corona times and just some precautions you can take and what we can expect for the future with corona. So, I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and yeah, looking forward to putting out a few more episodes actually about this whole topic, and thank you guys so much again for listening. Hope you enjoy, and I'll catch you on the next one. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Life's a Trip. Today's very special guest is actually um, somebody really near and dear to our family. It's um, Dr. Brian Thompson. <laughs> so do you want to go ahead and tell us a bit about what you do, Dr. Thompson, and where you're from? First of all, good morning, good morning, good morning. And it is indeed a great honor to be here, and I uh, consider it a great privilege. But I, uh, I have been working in emergency medicine since 1991 in Los Angeles, in East Hollywood, uh, just a little bit below the Hollywood sign and below the observatory for Griffith Park. Um, and I've been in various roles in emergency medicine from disaster resource committee chairman to emergency review committees. So this is uh, right now in, the, in, in one of our biggest emergencies ever. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's something that I guess is super relevant right now and something that, of course, you've been uh, in high demand. So it's, it's an interview yes. I've been wanting to do, but I know okay. <laughs> with your profession, it can be a bit difficult, but I'm, I'm super happy to have you here. And I think our listeners will appreciate it as well. So let's get started um, actually with the, you know, what's on everyone's mind, which is COVID-19. I think uh, one of the things people might have gotten lost in with the whole chaos of, of everything going on is like, where did this actually come from and how did it spread? You know, there's been a lot of misconceptions, unfortunately, from our own um, administration, <laughs> spreading some some false uh, yeah, information about that, about where it's from, and, and also some stereotypical references. So I'd love it sure. if you could clarify that for our audience. You know, again, so unfortunately, this has been a, a topic in some ways that is as clear as mud. Um, it is not, the original, thought, the original concern was, and the, I'll say it was a concern, not a fact, was, was this a virus that skipped from bats to humans? So imagine if you could have diseases that skip from animals to humans called a zoonosis, how potentially catastrophic that could be. All the things that affect animals only, but then affect, infect humans is always a concern. Mm -hmm. so, it's, so the original concern was, is was this a zoonosis or an infection from animals to humans? It's not clear that it is. Um, bats are certainly carriers of coronavirus. Bats are eaten <laughs> in parts of the world. But it's not clear to say that, um, that the coronavirus is caused from bats from being eaten in a wet market in China. It is clear it's not caused by the uh, 
a lab release of viruses in China. Um, but again, I mean, it's certainly unfair to blame it on bats. It is unfair to blame it on China. It is, it is a, a mutation of a virus that is very common um, that is like other viruses like it before. So mm. that helps in some way, I hope. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, one of the things also that I've always wondered too, and I think other people as well, is like, how did it spread so quickly? Because we sort of knew about it. And, you know, in Europe as well, we had heard about it going into Italy, going crazy right. over there as well. Right. And then it's just spreading like crazy. And, you know, even though we knew about it and we maybe could have prepared, like, I'm curious, you know, what you can speak to about that. So this, this is a virus that has been extraordinarily unique. We've seen viruses all the time. We see coronavirus all the time. Uh, there are three big viruses we see all the time, and, well, probably four big viruses. Influenza viruses, what are called rhinoviruses, coronaviruses, and adenoviruses. These are viruses we see all the time that make up common flus and common colds. So again, I mean, we figure another cold or flu virus. We see these all the time. Viruses are constantly in our environment. They are constantly invading us. The whole idea of viruses has been around, and viruses and bacteria have been at war with each other since the dawn of, of living creatures. So viruses and bacteria have always been around, always been battling, and we are another organism that they're battling with. Um, so again, coronavirus was not unique. We did not view it as being a big deal. Another coronavirus, big deal. Coronaviruses are very common. It's a common source of a common cold. Uh, but then the unique thing about this one was, was A, the possibility of this animal spread, and B, that it could be spread by carriers who were asymptomatic, who had no symptoms, and that was unique. And no one believed that was true. And the first scientist, a German scientist actually, can't recall her name, who just in her labs discussing the possibility of this being a possibility was just lambasted by the scientific community. But how can you say this? It's never happened. You can't have people who, have, who, have, who are carriers without symptoms. That isn't true. She's like, look, I'm not trying to make something. I'm not trying to to make things up, to make people angry or to make people concerned. I'm just saying, look out for this virus that may have these carriers. And so she was right. These, this is an unusual thing that people have no symptoms or at, at worst minimal symptoms who are carriers of a serious illness is unheard of. It was unheard of in anyone's lifetime who's still living. Um, so again, that was unusual how it was, how it was spread. And then you know, people didn't want to believe it was a serious virus. That's ah, another cold virus, another flu virus. We see this all the time. It's February, it's January. You know, who, we always get flus and, and colds in January and February. What is there to worry about? Well, it's different. And you know, again, I mean, it was all the things we thought weren't true ended up being true. It was a serious lethal virus. It was spread with carriers who, were, who had no symptoms. It may have had some role in coming from an animal. These are the, all the worst case scenarios we could have could have only imagined. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it definitely got like out of proportion so quickly that I think people lost track and, and um, especially Americans, I think a lot of us are so independent in our thinking and we don't like to just go by one source of news, <laughs> so to speak. So yeah. we're kind of like, well, I don't believe that and I have my freedom right. and <laughs> things like that. But it, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a serious it's thing. Like a, like a, like a, it was like a, you know, a perfect storm of in the last three years, under this administration of President 45, there's been a huge assault on what is news and what is fact. The, right. the obscuring fact from, you know, the fact from fake news has been, his, been a big part of President 45's, you know, uh, way of doing business. And again, if you could obscure fact, people are less likely to believe fact when you say, hey, this is a big deal. Ah, it's fake news. It's fake news. No, it's not fake news. So again, our own administration, as you said earlier, kind of set us down the, a bad path from the very beginning. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of the confusion, um, which maybe you can also clarify, has been around who can get the virus. So obviously there is a certain population that is more vulnerable, but you know, now I've heard even some people from my family who are younger have, have yes. gotten the virus. So you know, I'm curious if you can clarify that as well for people who think they are kind of like invisible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's, it's a virus, so, you know, it's, let's look at viruses. Sometimes you can look at, at viruses or anything in, in medicine as being a, a being, a sentient being who has its own way of doing things. Isn't true, but we can kind of look at it that way. So if you're a virus, a parasite, and you decide to, you know, jump on this host, because parasites live on hosts, and kill all your hosts, what would happen to you as a parasite? You would die. 
So you would, you would no longer exist. So the virus as a parasite in some ways has decided, has at one point was killing people right and left. Uh, and of course, when you kill someone, you get put in the ground and you are just, the virus itself is lost. So now we're seeing less lethal strains of the virus that may be more transmissible, but are less lethal. So meaning that for young people who thought they were immune or somehow were, you know, were not gonna get this virus, uh, no, you may have early on, you may have had a less lethal mutation of this virus. Now maybe a, now may, now maybe a less lethal thing is coming, but it's getting through more people. So in the past, when the things first came around, the initial mutation may have been more lethal to those who were more ill, uh, older adults in particular. But now we're seeing an emergence across all age groups. Arguably, young people are getting it way more than older people are getting it. Maybe not dying at the same rate, but certainly becoming more infected by it. Wow. Yeah. So it's something definitely to take into account, especially now, you know, I'm going on a trip next week with my boyfriend uh, down right. to Italy. Sounds um, wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. But, you know, the situation in Europe, I think, is a little bit different than the U.S. And, you it know, it, I'm, I'm wondering what you think about what the U.S. has done to address COVID-19 and, you know, what measures maybe should be put into place, what hasn't been done yet that could be done or what has been done correctly. Um, anything that you can speak to on that? I mean, it's, a, it's such a, such a, it's such a, you know, I understand being a politician is extraordinarily difficult. I mean, this, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse too much and go back in time, but initially the idea of not wearing masks was being propagated to many ways to avoid the overuse of masks. We had a few masks available. When it, you don't want to make it so it's only, it's only being used by a few, but the reality was if we had done masks early on, that would have been a very, the most important part. Arguably, I, I worked next to a guy for a week, who ended up being hospitalized on a ventilator. He's recovered, physician friend of mine. Mm -hmm. I sat next to him for days and he's, you know, he's coughing, wearing a mask. I didn't get the virus. I never got ill. So again, having a mask, having distancing with those, and having frequent hand washing, those three things, even going back, this is way back in March, proved to be a lifesaver, not only myself, but for our entire department. This one guy, he's a busy man. He's got his early, got his mid sixties. You know, he's in generally good health, not great. Could have affected the entire department. But again, we already had in place a strong culture of frequent hand washing, you know, wearing masks uh, and kind of already distancing already. Physicians, but doctors aren't always such good social beings. So we're already kind of socially distant already. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that's that's those, those three things have proved to be true from the very beginning. Uh, and I, I don't understand for the life of me this whole thing about uh, personal freedoms and not wearing a mask. I mean, okay. I mean, I'm, I get the idea. You have the right in America, in particular, to right to choose your path in life. If I want to die, I can die. But you shouldn't have the right to make other people die because of your own desires. For example, you may be 17, 18, 25 years old, and 26 years old, whatever you might be, and try to, try to you know, I, I, don't, I don't care if I live or die, I'm invincible. Well, how about your grandmother? How about your small children? How about your neighbor? How about your teacher? How about your, you know, guy you go to the, see at the bank? All people you come in contact with who had no part of your decision, you have no right to make them sick too. I mean, so, okay, you have the right to go outside, jump off a cliff if you want to, or crash your car, or if you want to do, but you have no right to make other people sick around, especially those who, like your grandmother or your great-grandparents, who had no part in your decision, who have, you know, have other illnesses you may not even know about. So again, um, I get it. People want to be free, but you aren't free to kill. You aren't free to go stand in a, you aren't free to stand in a, in a crowded theater and say, fire. You aren't free to spray bullets into an open mall. You aren't free to do many things in this country. Right. You shouldn't be free to not wear a mask. Exactly. I think that's a big difference with what I've noticed being an expat in Germany is like people here just follow the rules. It's like, I don't know, it's like brushing your teeth. Like it's, it's a, just a thing that people said you have to do. So just do it and be kind to others by doing that. There's a lot of old people that are walking around in the streets yeah. here all the time because it's a very open community. And it's just something that really doesn't cost much, uh, to be honest, to put it on for, you know, 10 minutes while you go to the grocery store and then take it off. It, it is uncomfortable, but it's like, okay, well, what would you rather well, do, I mean, you know? We wear shoes and underwear every day. I'd rather not wear shoes and underwear <laughs> every day, but I wear them. 
Exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> that's a good Not one. Not But if, <laughs> America, America is in a unique position uh, because, I, mean, I think, if, like it or not, our non-European association generally, our lack of being involved in a significant war has made people have a greater sense of themselves and a greater sense of personal freedom. Well, Europe recognized a long time ago the need to band together was more important than the need to be apart. In part because being apart meant I'm going to have the Ottoman or the, or the Duke or the whatever it might be start this war and blow up the whole world. The Pope said, eh, I'm going to you know, work together and have peace. We haven't done so good at that. Well, let's see how that changes, hopefully, in the future. I but, hope it changes. But, yeah, we'll get to that in a little bit. I, I actually yes, want to go back to that point you mentioned about, you know, obviously wearing face masks and what actually works, if it actually makes a difference. Um, because I've uh, seen, you know, in social media, which I'm always on there, like, people sometimes also think that perhaps it's not airborne. And I've heard people say that a lot. And I, I would love to clear that up today because it's okay. something that I really sure. don't understand. <laughs> so that there's two... There's there's two important modes of transmission. One is droplets and one is airborne. So think about the idea of a drip drop coming out of your sink versus a spray coming out of a sprayer from your hairspray, whatever. Which one goes further? Obviously the sprayer takes the same number of drops and makes it go a further distance. So when this first came out, we thought this was only by droplet, uh, droplet infection, which is a whole lot easier to control. You, you got a little three foot area around your drop that drops glasses, okay, we're fine. But airborne, different story. Airborne can go anywhere. It can go under your vents. It can go all across a 50-foot space by a single cough. So it still isn't clear yet whether this is solely droplet or solely airborne. I think it's fair to say it's more closer to droplet than airborne, but droplet also includes, you know, may include to a much lesser degree where you put your hands, whether it's hands on your face, hands on a handrail, hands on a pot or a cup. Uh, but so it is not as airborne would go much further than droplet would, but this is probably still more droplet than airborne. But it, having said that, obviously droplets can still spread in the air. They're not as strong as it was truly, so truly an airborne disease. This, this was like, this was as contagious as let's say a co more common cold, we'd have a much, which is airborne, can be airborne, a much more serious problem. Wow. And I mean, do you see, I don't know much about this, obviously, but like, do you see it getting actually worse in some ways? Like what are, what has been the medical community's um, way? So of again, it's, it's fun. So I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it is, it is, as I was saying earlier, the idea that looking back on this, looking back to this from April, in April, we were like, you know, wearing, you know, head to toe gowns every day and head shields. And, and, and we were, everybody had to, we were like in this armor every day of the thing and this sweat inducing, you know, uh, armature or armor, whatever. Now we're like, hey, you know, you put a mask on, you wear some goggles. We're more selective in how we approach each patient. Um, that everybody gets the same amount of armor you put on every day, your PPE. Um, so in my in my observation, and I, I work in a pretty busy urban setting. Um, I'm, again, I'm in East Hollywood, which is a population that is uh, predominantly working class. Um, it's, and I work in a, an HMO, which is kind of like, like a, the same kind of system in Germany in some respect. The idea you walk into a place, you get care, you don't get charged, and you get to go out. I mean, it's no, it's not a lot. It's not, it's not, I'm not getting paid per patient I'm seeing. So okay. again, for, for, so, I've, so in some ways, our system can maybe mimics yours in some way. But um, so again, I've seen people who were sicker in April are less sick now. I'm seeing more people who have the virus, but less who are sick. So in April, I probably saw in April and now I'm seeing the same number of, so April was very busy. People not only were sick, they were dying. In May, same thing, sick and dying. People really took the, people took the, um, the precautions very seriously. People were under, the whole city was under quarantine and the numbers plummeted. We were going from seeing 200 people a day to seeing 50 people a day. I mean, that's mm -hmm. almost a 75% drop in our patient population in like maybe for three weeks. And then by the end of May, first part of June, eh, People were less afraid. Quarantine was kind of ended. You started seeing a rise in cases. And, but then in, in July, and then in down July, people, early part of July, people had all precautions off and they went nuts. Uh, and then we saw the cases just, just skyrocket. Yeah. But the cases, we're seeing more cases, as many as we saw in April, but people are not as sick. 
Okay. So again, you may, people may have a lot, we think a lot more cases, but I'm, in my practice, we're seeing a lot fewer deaths. People getting sick, but recovering. Well, that's good to hear. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've heard as well um, that I think we talked about at one time too, um, that they're thinking of using, um, like, I guess, making a vaccine from patients who have recovered from COVID um, somehow. I don't know if that's so, actually so a thing. Two yeah. different things. So making okay. a vaccine is different than getting antibodies. So, okay. so our recover, or they call it, it's called plasma. You're going to get plasma or a part of a blood product from someone who's mm -hmm. already recovered, hoping that they formed an antibody, uh, a, a particle to help provide in, fight infection if you receive it. Uh, it's not clear, unfortunately, that those who have had infection develop this convalescent plasma, or they, this plasma of the sick. People have gotten sick, developed this, these protection from it. Unfortunately, it may not be the case. Um, all people don't develop antibodies. It may only be for a short term. It may only last for three months or six months, mm -hmm. as opposed to a vaccine, which is composed of actual particles of virus that have um, been basically kind of ground up and made into a, a product that our body can react to form its own antibodies, which is a longer lasting process. And there's a third uh, wave or a third process that may involve a temporary vaccine. It may only be good for six months or three months, but if that's, if there's a peak in your community, three months might be enough to get you through the peak. So those, those are kind of the three paths of preventive care. The, convalescent plasma, this temporary vaccine, and a more long-term vaccine. Uh, and we haven't got any of, the, any of them working to a large degree right now. None of them have proven to be, we have none of those working in a way that can serve a large population yet. We have no convalescent plasma program that's comprehensive. We have a comprehensive temporary vaccine program, and we have no, certainly don't have a long-term vaccine at all. Okay. And is that in the works at all? Because that's something my boyfriend mentioned to me. He saw in the news that <laughs> that our president actually wanted to buy or something, some kind of vaccine that was being developed by Germans. I, I don't know if you that's heard right. about that. That's true. We, we have to, that's the, the American government had a contract with a company in Germany to buy their, not only so, first they want to negotiate, like typically, like Mr. Mr. 45, he thinks he's Mr. Dealmaker. Yeah. I'll make you a deal. Yeah, I'll buy your product. What if I can't buy your product? I'll just buy your company. I mean, yeah. yeah, that was part of his deal. The company, of course, said, "No, you can't buy our company. It's wrong to to completely monopolize the vaccine." So let's that's not right. I mean, so again, the company, the German company, I can't recall their name, decided, "No, we're not going to be sold to you, and no, we're not going to sell our vaccine to you. This is supposed to be for the the good of the entire world. Yes, we're going to make a profit on this process, but nobody don't need to be a monopoly, and nobody don't need to to only sell it to you who clearly may make an effort to not share it with the world." Okay. But yeah, that's funny, but it's a funny story, but absolutely true. Um, and then yeah. that's his other, what he's done now is he's chosen to give this huge amount of money to maybe to a friend who is, um, has a company who has no proven vaccine track record. Uh, he gave them $16 billion to begin to develop a vaccine for the, for the virus, for the, for the virus. But of course, they were sold only to the United States. And that's, again, I think it's a, it's a pretty pathetic worldview to only view things that just make you through your own lens. I think it's a pretty horrible thing that's for our American government to choose to do. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not super surprised to hear that, but I mean, right. yeah, it's, it's interesting, the, the things that have been developed so far. I mean, how are we doing, like, globally, has there been anyone who's made any progress in sort of creating a vaccine or, or some kind of way to yes. address this? Okay. So the, it sounds like the UK has, has had the most progress so far in developing the vaccine. So there's two, there's at least six, well, there's over 300 vaccine trials. There are at least six trials that are probably being fast-tracked for being the most likely to be successful. The one's in the UK, the one's here in Seattle, and there's several others across the world, but those are the, probably the two biggest ones that are most likely to be the most successful. Again, I think if we have, um, it, it is a, it's phenomenally hard. My sister is a, as a, as a physician also. She has a laboratory. Her lab does not develop vaccines, but the idea of how hard it is to have a lab develop a product, I've spoken to her several times about, and it's a very difficult process. So we've been working on the AIDS vaccine for 30 years. We haven't got an AIDS vaccine. So clearly making a vaccine is not a simple process. Which part of the virus is best suited to make an antibody against? Will it last? Will human beings accept it? Will it have this tremendous reaction? So we are not. Those, those two trials in particular, the one in the UK and the one up, up in the Northwest of this country are probably the two most promising. But again, we are still a long ways away. I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't put my million dollar bet on any of those companies being the final vaccine carrier, final vaccine maker. Do you see that actually being something we have next year at all? Or is that still too soon? Um, you know, I think at, I think at, at best we're looking at probably next Let's, let's, let's give you an example. So let's give you, I'll give you an example. Let's give mm-hmm. you talk about the idea of the AIDS vaccine taking 30 years and mm-hmm. still not being developed yet. So that's, hopefully we're, hope we're on, the, on the 30 year track. The Ebola vaccine, the Ebola vaccine, again, uh, Ebola, I'm sure you know about, is a horrible hemorrhagic uh, bleeding disease in Africa that is, uh, has a mortality of almost 80%. I mean, four out of five people who get this disease die of a horrible death. Uh, so again, is that, Ebola vaccine, has that been resolved yet? No, it's been on the, on the market for 15 years working on Ebola vaccine. So again, it's, um, it is unlikely it'll be present by next year. Uh, at the earliest, you may see some trials, you know, maybe in the fall of this year, but to be a commercially viable, in other words, making, you know, millions of, millions of this stuff per, you know, per, per year, or per six months, I think it'd be optimistic to say I'll be present by next year. That'd be optimistic. Possible, but that'd be the earliest time. I certainly wouldn't count on it for the fall. I certainly wouldn't count on it for you know, the spring. The earliest really is a year from now at the very earliest. And I'd love to also speak to that um, point, I guess, that people you know, who are anti-vaccine, who would not maybe understand the reason why it takes so long, because you're saying that now, maybe you can outline like the importance of getting vaccinated and also the whole reasoning behind it taking so long and how that does, you know, actually make it a viable vaccine. Yeah. It's not just something you just throw in your body. No, right? I mean, to me, this is, this is, I mean, I know every generation, every set of young people want to believe that somehow the world is going to begin with them. They want to reinvent or redefine the wheel for every generation. I'm 60 years old. I began practice in 1985 in medicine. I've got plenty of gray hair. And in my short time, and granted, it's, it's, it is a short time, being in medicine for basically for 35 years, I have seen so much improvement in health from things, there's something called the, the influenza vaccine, H-flu, not even the regular flu, for children. I used to see kids all night long, ear aches, runny nose, fever, high fevers, and then we gave them more vaccine, H flu vaccine. Man, these kids, I don't hardly see any kids every at night anymore because of earaches and uh, and uh, and cold and flu of, the, of that serious nature in the last 10 years. I mean, that that's again a real simple vaccine. Not even you could argue, why do they even bother to develop a vaccine for this thing? What's even a big deal? It's kids' lives are so much better by that simple H influenza vaccine. It's incredible. Uh, pneumonia vaccine, again. I see kids when I first started practice dying right and left from pneumonia from streptococcal pneumonias. I don't see any anymore. And these people forget how severe this was. Polio. Polio, again, horrible disease process. Kids who, kids who, couldn't, who can't walk because of polio. I, I, people stopped doing polio vaccine. What did I see about 10 years ago? Recurrence of polio. Measles. Again, there's a horrible disease to die from. You get this horrible total body redness. Your whole body's full of bruises everywhere. It ain't going away. Last two years, anti-vaxxers, oh, we don't need that, I don't need it. Get measles die. Meningitis, I mean, my, my cousin, she is now 22, she's now 42. Um, deaf, because had, she had a meningitis infection as a, as a young child. Beautiful girl, smart, but deaf. I mean, again, all because of meningitis. Don't see it anymore, people forget about it. I mean, who wants to have a, who wants to die, either die from a brain infection or die from, or have, have lose your hearing or your vision because of an infection? Don't see them. So again, the amount of morbidity or illness because of vaccines has been so wonderful. People take it for granted. Oh, we don't, that that was just all natural. No, it wasn't natural. Poop is natural. I don't want to eat poop every day. So again, science has a huge role in improving human health. Um, Being natural in and of itself is not, being natural is a great thing, but being natural may not result in you having a very long lifespan. Don't forget that you as an anthropologist in some ways know human beings, Used to live up to 35 or 40 years old. That was a full life. 60 was a great life. People now live an average of 80 years old, just about, even more than that in some countries. This is mostly because of modern medicine and getting things like vaccines and antibiotics. People don't die from toothache. People don't die from appendicitis. People don't die from colds and flus. They don't happen anymore. We take that for granted. But again, I mean, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm still a relatively young person, and I have seen a tremendous improvement in human health by adding these vaccines to our daily lives. So again, but I, if, I, if the vaccine was offered to me, even as a trial, I, I would get in line and get it early on because, 
again, I'm, I would, I'm at risk every day going to work and having the risk reduced would be a tremendous value to me. I mean, if this is going to, this is, this is not, this may not wipe out one fourth of the human population like the plague did in the Middle Ages several times. And don't forget the plague may have been a virus and not a bacterium. So again, if a vaccine comes along, by all means, unless you want to be part of the one quarter of the world that dies, I would get the vaccine. I think it boils down to as well, like people, they don't understand what they can't see or what they haven't, yes. you know, studied because I, I can yes. relate, of course, to not, I mean, I, <laughs> I had trouble in, in college, like following along with chemistry in my bio classes. And it is really difficult to just understand that putting something in your body could help you or that, you know, you hear conspiracy theories. I've seen sure. countless social media posts that are like, even saying, you know, that getting tested is a way for them to track us and that, you know, the vaccine is, is actually uh, weakening our bodies and they want to destroy like some portion of the population, you know, all countless things that I've seen. But I just can't believe that people, you know, pass this around. It was actually a chain mail message. And I, I had to say, like, please don't send this to me, first of all. Right. Second of all, like, please, you know, watch some kind of scientific report, anything you can do, because it's really damaging to spread this information. I mean, I get it. I mean, people want to regain control over their lives, some regain some sense of control. If I could say this is caused by some they, or whether that they is, you know, they, whoever it might be, whether, it's, whether you want to say they are the devil or they is, they is it, for, for millennium, human minds have always looked for a cause and effect. If we can't find a good cause, we'll make something up. We'll call it uh, the devil. We'll call it evil spirits. We'll call it something. So we can have a greater sense of control of that, of that uncontrollable thing that causes us great fear. So uh, having said that, this is the same kind of a thing. I understand people have a great fear about, about uh, anything that causes you to have, a, have an unaffected turn in your health. Mm -hmm. But the answer is not going to be, the answer to, to response to this fear is not going to be to ignore it. The answer to the fear is to explore it, unfortunately. And exploring it is science. Uh, looking at, well, okay, is that really the cause? Is that really the effect? To ask the question and then be willing to, to deal with the answer as opposed to saying, oh, oh, I don't want to know, I'm afraid, I'm just going to make something up. No, I mean, again, I mean, conspiracy theories are just astounding to me. I mean, you can't, you tell one friend one thing and she's not going to tell her friend, her other friend, and her other friend, and her other friend. I mean, are we that good at keeping secrets? And clearly we're not. So conspiracies always involve keeping a secret that human beings by their very nature cannot keep secrets. As my grandma would say, they can't keep water on their chest. So again, um, no, conspiracy theories by their very nature. If you can't tell me who they is, who's the they you refer to that's going to do this thing to you? If you can't tell me who they is, then I don't even, I can't even even talk to you about it. We are, we're not, we can't have a conversation about they. Exactly. And I mean, um, I'm also wondering, like, does it help, um, you know, let's let's go through maybe again for people who don't know the symptoms that um, COVID-19 presents and that you might want to get checked out for. And also, can you also speak to the fact that if it does help to even get tested and like, does that contribute to the research at all? Because I know maybe people are hesitant because they, I'm afraid, to be honest, of going to a hospital actually right now. Yes. Like if I were to get anything, I'd be really yes. like terrified, even though now it's calmer in Germany. But yeah, it is. I mean, again, I think Germany is a great example of, of again, how calm played a great role. And again, taking a nation that that certainly has issues in the past and uh, yeah. able to maintain some calm is a tremendous show, tremendous value. I mean, again, so the idea that, um, you know, what what should you watch out for and what makes you what should you seek care for uh, and what is the role of testing in terms of research or in terms of helping this disease end. Mm -hmm. And arguably, this is a very interesting point. If you're, not, if you're gonna test people, but you're not gonna trace people, the testing is useless. Um, so in this country, that's, that's what's happened. We're doing random tests with no tracing, and all this does is cause panic. Am I suggesting that we do no testing? No, I'm not suggesting that at all. I'm suggesting we do more testing and more tracing. Um, so again, Without, but, but our current path in this country is haphazard at best and useless. It is useless to test people and not to figure out where the hotspots of the virus are. What New York did was useful. They tested a lot of people. Uh, they found out what neighborhood you came from and they in turn locked down those neighborhoods even more so than because of virtue of testing. Without that, testing is not gonna be terribly useful. Um, so what would I seek testing for? 
Um, to be honest with you, at this point in this country, I would only seek testing if I really was horribly ill. I had a, I was markedly short of breath. I couldn't catch my breath. Um, I couldn't walk from my kitchen to my bedroom. I couldn't walk from my, you know, down my block and I was getting short of breath or severe cough. Or I, or I contact with others who was at risk for. Other than those people, other than, other than that being the case, I'd wear my mask, I would do my social distancing, and I probably would not get a test. I know people want to know what they have, but the fact of the matter is the test itself isn't always accurate. When the test is done, it's not always accurate. So I would reserve testing for those who are really are truly ill, who physicians can't figure out what you have. I mean, if you come to the emergency department and you have your person who's 45 years old, who is, you know, coughing, hacking, and can't catch their breath, um, and your oxygen levels are very low. We do what's called a test called an oxygen saturation test to see how much how well your blood can take oxygen. It tells us how well your lungs function. So that young person who's 45 who comes in with low oxygen, low oxygen saturation, who looks ill, I'm not sure what you have, um, that person would benefit from a test so I could figure out how to isolate you, how to figure out where you came from, and maybe figure out where you got this from, and keep and be able to track better what you have. If you have, you know, again, that's those are those are the that is those are the that's the biggest issue with COVID is being short of breath, uh, short of breath and coughing, um, coughing because it spreads the illness, short of breath because it's personally affects how you your likelihood of living. Um, things like is that the only things that occur with COVID? No, the loss of taste is a common uh, symptom of COVID. I can't taste anything, Doc. And I have, I think I have a cold. You probably have COVID. Um, I, and the Doc, I have, I got diarrhea. And uh, I think it's COVID. Possible, but a lot less likely. There's always, again, we're still in the dead of summer. Viruses in the summer often causes, often cause diarrhea or illness. So again, um, having, let's say your main problem is diarrhea or, or stomach ache. You think it may be COVID, okay. Um, isolate yourself, you know, until your symptoms go away. If you have no fever, it doesn't really matter what you had, you got better. Um, and again, it'd be, do I need to know as a doctor if you had COVID or not? I don't need to know. Do you need, as a patient, do you need to know? It, it may satisfy your curiosity, but does it really change your outcome in a situation where we may be spending spending dollars we don't need to spend on this situation? I would say no, it doesn't, doesn't, really, doesn't really require you to be tested. So again, who needs to be tested? It's really very few. Um, if, and this, again, if I'm in Germany, and everyone's gonna get tested and I can trace those who are being tested, testing is useful, very useful. In this country, since we aren't really gonna trace you very well, maybe that's so useful. Um, so again, do I see people every day who come in with a panic who are anxious and panicked if they have COVID? Absolutely. Do I test all of them? Absolutely not. Right. I think those are usually people as well, especially us millennials who like to look at WebMD all night and figure out yeah. our symptoms and freak out. Well, yeah, that's good to know, though. I think uh, that's something people, especially Americans, are uncomfortable with is tracing because that's something you think immediately about, like communism and China sure. and like just sure. you don't want to write your personal information. And you, what are you going to do with my information? And it is weird at first. Like that's something we had to do. Uh, even we still do now actually going to a restaurant, you have to wear your face mask walking in. As soon as you get to your table, you can remove it. But when you get to your table, you have to fill out a form with your information. And yep. I mean, I think that's something maybe Americans can do like not f if they don't have that at restaurants okay but maybe they can if they tested positive at least call like places they've been to to like let them know like I had COVID you know you might have an right. exposure I think there's just so many ways to try hopefully yeah, I mean again I, th I think people like, people are always worried about government hello mama uh, <laughs> what about a government intrusion into your life the government doesn't care about your little two dollar life they don't care about exactly <laughs> everybody <laughs> thinks that Cold, yeah. I mean, you're, getting, you're getting more information, you're getting more emails from Kohl's and all these other uh, retailers and you're getting from the government. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't understand. Anyway, so yeah, so no, it's, um, but some, some restaurants have begun the process of asking for your, at least your phone number at least, okay. if you go. And that's worthwhile to do. Again, if we can, tra tracing is in, I think is the, the part that Americans have fought the most, but in some ways it's the most beneficial to track where infections are occurring, where hotspots are. If you can do that, you can kind of control it very well. But again, in this country, it's a bizarre, and I can't say for bizarre reasons, but we have a big thing about 
personal freedom and first, but, but we have no problem giving our stuff to Google or Yahoo. <laughs> exactly. Who have, whoa, <laughs> I mean, if you go to your computer, you, you look up, you want to ask about a bar stool and you get a whole. Yeah, it's following you for days. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Um, and yeah, I mean, one of the things I saw in the news as well, and I guess it just comes down to is the, the face masks, because they even said in the German news, like, no matter if you tested negatively or not for yes. COVID, you should still wear your mask because you can yes. still end up being a carrier. So that's a really good point. I think people should remember. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if, if, not for, if not for you, for your grandmother or your elderly neighbor or yeah. your, you know, your your guy down the block who's got, you know, who's got diabetes. Again, I mean, this, if not for you, then do the selfless thing and do it for your, for your somebody else besides yourself. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, I want to walk through a little bit of uh, the things that Germany has sort of done as we've loosened the restrictions and maybe okay. hear your opinion about these. Sure. So I mentioned the restaurants already where, you know, we don't have to wear a mask at our own table. We leave our contact info. Um, one of the other things they've done is now they've loosened restrictions on meeting up with up to 10 people who they can be from different households and that can be outside, but also while taking caution and distancing from other groups with at least one and a half meters. And this is without masks on. So that's, <laughs> that's something that we've sort of engaged in. Uh, we don't really have like my boyfriend and I, we haven't really met with a ton of people, but like uh, we went to Hanover, we met with some friends outside and it seemed like no big deal, but I think everyone feels like this sense of caution, right? Um, and then as we, we've been to museums, so I've had a friend visiting me, and so museums and theaters, they're also allowed to be open now with limited capacity, and you have to wear a mask the entire time. So that's like up to you, basically, if you want to wear a mask for two hours while you're in a museum. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also a good one. Um, schools have also reopened, so graduating classes had priority first, um, and then they, they had to finish their exams, obviously, and they had social distancing, and then now um, schools have been completely reopened, but they're sort of obviously taking into account distancing measures, and I think they even go in phases. Um, so that's another way. I don't know. Maybe Americans will end up doing that. I'm not sure what the school's issue is actually yeah. right now. I don't know if you've heard about that at all. I have. I have. Actually, I have a good friend of mine who's two spouse. Actually, he's the mayor of a mayor of a major city. Oh, wow. And it is um, it is a difficult process. It isn't just whether or not the children become ill. It's whether or not the teachers become ill. The teachers, the principals, the other workers around the school become sick. So the kids themselves may go to school and be fine. Um, but the problem may be if the kid who's a carrier who makes, you know, their teacher sick, who then takes home to her family or his family, uh, different ballgame. So yeah. the thought here has been, you know, we, we have gone, there are some restaurants who have done the, the uh, phone number registering thing. Uh, Schools-wise, right now, the biggest thing right now in Cal state of California is discussing the schools. Uh, and the issue, again, not so much whether the kids get ill or not. I think one the governor of the governor of, uh, of Alabama, or maybe it was Kentucky, Discuss the idea of, again, the kids get sick, they'll be fine. Well, it's not about the kids getting sick, it's about the teachers getting sick, the, the other administrators getting sick, the, the other staff members getting sick. So right. that we haven't resolved, that we haven't figured out. So the thought has been in some schools, maybe we would go to, to kind of alternating, alternating weeks. You know, one week, you kind of you get, a, you get a, a week's worth of work given to a student. He's required to come in once a week to meet with the teacher, because there has been a tremendous amount of, again, just particularly involving students of color. Mm -hmm. um, a kid, when the school closed in April, that kid went completely AWOL. There's no tracing of them. That student has lost an entire semester of teaching. And if you're a black or if you're a person of color, or in this case, it's often it's an impoverished person, goodness gracious, you've lost a whole six months of school, man, you're going to fall so far behind you. Yeah. You're going to even a larger gap. So the thought was requiring students to come in once a week because they have a to come in with one on one with a teacher, get all that work reviewed. And then next week, you know, the next week, kind of all the impact one week you get instruction one week you go to your home getting doing your work and then come back to have the teacher review by the end of the week that's a possibility that sounds actually quite promising um i think it probably is a, a mixture of both social distancing as well as uh still getting in-person uh, instruction i think unfortunately i think i think most people would agree that in-person instruction for young people in particular is probably the most beneficial way for kids to gain education doesn't apply to all kids. Maybe the again, there's no rule that applies to all. No, just never always apply. But I think most kids, more than 80%, would benefit from in-person instruction. There's a small number that could do it on their own, but I think 95% of kids would benefit from in-person instruction. 5% could do it on their own. 
Harvard said, what you do is not going to do the work. So he's at 10%. No, you're going to succeed no matter what, fail no matter what, but the 90%, you can benefit from in-person instruction in some kind of a uh, way to uh, have their work checked. Yeah, I think that's that's been some, that was the way sort of they approached it. And I don't completely know. So I might add something later at the end of the episode when I research more. But okay. I'm pretty sure that the schools have, um, yeah, had a phased approach. So they've right. had some students or some grade levels come in. Um, and alternating um, the different classes each week with digital versus um, in-person lessons. So, right. I mean, it's it's definitely an effective way. And I think also it's understandable because, you know, my boyfriend's mom is, is a teacher, sure. a grade school teacher, and she obviously had these fears as well that, you know, kids aren't really going to be able to keep a mask on. They're kind of not really into that all the time. It, it's, okay. it's difficult. So, um, I'm yeah, I'm definitely happy that now it's a bit safer, but I, I am fearful because of what I've heard from Orange County and California specifically, like how they're planning on just opening it and not putting much thought into that. So hopefully they do. Again, and again, I mean, you, you have you have you have access to an excellent instructor who has great insight. Your mother, exactly, from college, has great insight to how is how students may be. Yeah, um, but again, I mean. You know, is that a way to go? Yeah, you can you can go that way, and then you know. But I guarantee, if Orange County chooses, I can't guarantee anything, but I would suspect mm -hmm. if Orange County does that in the fall, uh, they're looking at you know their hospital being overwhelmed by January, and that'll be again. That's not no one wishes that upon anybody. No one wishes no one wishes to prove anybody wrong in the situation. Say I told you so, and your grandma dies, or your kid dies, or your friend dies. No one, no one wants to say I told you so. Um, but again, open up the schools without any kind of constraints or restraints is going to be, I think it'll be problematic. Yeah, for sure. Well, and unfortunately, um, we often don't learn from places like Germany. We don't take the time out to look at other models to say, hey, what you guys do over there? This, this administration has sought so little input from other places to say, hey, man, what worked over there? Can we, what, what didn't work over there? To ask the question, to embrace other allies. We've done America first has meant America only, which has been a horrific policy you know, on many levels and that reach out to you out they say hey man did that that work in germany that didn't work that worked let's do that let's give it a try let's, but we haven't we aren't willing to do that exactly and that's something hopefully will change by the end of the year because that's what we're afraid of but four more months four yeah. more months <laughs> Let's, let's see. But, um, but yeah, one more, one last thing I wanted to also ask you about was the gyms, because that's something I've been a bit concerned about too, from a personal yeah. level, personal experience. Um, the gyms opened up again here in Germany, um, but some, they all have different restrictions. So my gym in particular, you have to wear your mask when you come in and when you leave, but actually when you're working out, you don't have to wear it, which I found really interesting because I don't, I don't know if that's a really effective way. It seems a bit weird because the windows are open, the fans are on sometimes, but I don't know, what would you say is the, like, should I work out with a mask on or should I just not go there? I mean, because as gyms open in the US, maybe people will also wonder about this. Definitely, absolutely, definitely, definitely people definitely wonder about that. So there definitely is a 20 fold, not just twice as many, not just 10 times as many, but 20 times difference rate of infection for those who are inside versus those who are outside. So clearly wow. being outside is a there's a great job of diluting the virus around very efficiently. So a 20-fold increase by being indoors. So you have a 20-fold increase plus you're not wearing a mask plus you're probably aerosolizing the virus by your breathing heavily during your exercise. I, I think the gym is like the worst case scenario of things that should not be open. In this situation, I mean, you're, this okay. is you're indoors and you got no mask on and you're yeah. making things for you. I, I don't get that one. That's you no, know, no. I would suggest again, and if you're gonna run, you need to run, run outside. You're gonna you're gonna lift weights, go outside, do it. But in an enclosed space, that's probably one of the worst case scenarios. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I think even though like one of the things I noticed is they have really strict like hygiene policy, so wipe down everything. But yeah. I just keep thinking about like you as well, like asking you in this interview too, like, okay, is this really right? Because I yeah. feel really uncomfortable that I have people breathing hard even at a one and a half meter distance, which is yeah. required. Yeah. Like yeah. it's still it's inside and the fans and everything's blowing around. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> it's not enough. Again, okay. we certainly without True contact tracing. Can I say that the gyms have been the major source of, of you know, of infected? No, but look. Let's compare a gym to a bar because gyms and bars have many similarities. Mm. Again, you you get a bar, you drink, you making some poor choices, you lose your meter and a half space because you want to meet that other person across it. What happens? The bars, without a doubt, have been a major source of infection. 
So to me, the gym is exactly the same scenario. It is going to be a major source of infection for the mm -hmm. exact same reasons. Uh, people want to be, we're human beings, we're social animals, we want to be social. Uh, and again, you add in breathing heavily, ah! <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, the gym is, yeah, yeah, no, I, the gym, gym is not the place to be. <laughs> I'll keep that in mind then. I mean, I, I really thought because of the situation being a bit better here that maybe it's not as big of a deal, but I don't know. Like I haven't been really sure because I have no idea. I think there's just a lot of like unanswered uh, questions here. No doubt. How much research has been done and if we're good now, like when they say you're okay, like we're going to Italy, you know, is that okay? Yeah. Like to travel and touristy places, and again, I mean, you know? Italy has a great, Italy and Germany have both have great, and Spain all have great insight into how this virus, what to do next. I mean, that we have in the United States, we haven't taken advantage of. The Italy, again, I mean, this was, you know, this was front and center, the worst place to be three months ago for this virus. And they have done a pretty good job of making some controls that are working. So are we asking enough questions of Italy? I don't think we are. Are we asking enough answers from, enough answers from Spain? We probably aren't. Those are two great answers to get an idea of how they're doing. If you're telling me in Spain people are doing going to the gym and doing their usual activities, that's a great example to use. So Spain was again another epicenter of the virus. It's the same thing as true with Italy. If Italy's doing well, if people are going to the gym or doing their regular activities, it's a great example to use. And in this country, unfortunately, we're reluctant to ask other countries for their input. We want to act like we have all the answers, and we don't. So again, if, if you tell me in Italy, the gyms are open, people are doing fine, you know, people are exercising, there's no problem. Great example to use. Um, this country, we're not ready for the gyms to be open yet. They are, but we ain't ready for it. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's unfortunate to hear. I didn't know they were yeah. open already. Ugh, yeah, well. they are. They, they are. Well, I hope people stay safe out there, but... Um, I guess let's move on to like what is going to happen in the future. I really want to know kind of with winter coming, you know, what should we expect or what can we anticipate for? What should we get ready for? Because in Germany, you know, we also have extremely cold temperatures, not like yes. California, but still like, you know, I want to know what, what's kind of the risk we can expect and some pr precautions we could maybe take. Game of Thrones fans got to love that line. Winter is mm -hmm. coming. You got to love that ominous sound that winter, yeah, winter is coming. Uh, yeah. This is only about a man with an icy face, but having <laughs> said that, um, again, I mean, we're hoping for the best. We're hoping that it's not our worst case scenario where you have a mixture of not only standard coronavirus, which is like one of the one of the flu, one of the common cold viruses, is a cold, is a coronavirus. Is it going to be that on top of COVID nineteen, on top of influenza, on top of a recurrence of other these severe mm -hmm. now respiratory syndrome viruses? Is that a possibility? Yeah, that's definitely a possible. I think it's come together and be our worst case scenario. Um, again, we get flu every year. Why would the flu choose not to come back this fall? We're going to have flu. We're going to have flu. We're going to get flu beginning in October, up to yin yang. So, again, yeah. <laughs> people are going to die from the regular flu. We don't know how the flu and, and COVID 19, if they're going to interact and cause some worsening problem, don't know. Uh, are we going to have, uh, again, is, is everyone coming in in December or January in, when it's cold in Germany and it's, you know, you have to go outside and run around? I don't know. I think people are a lot more aware now of the notion of, of using masks more often. So I think until next fall, next fall, the fall of 2021, wearing a mask is going to become a commonplace thing. I mean, I think we're looking at keeping things like, you know, gyms closed, um, there'll be, I would definitely plan on wearing your mask in, in December. Um, if you can get a nice, cute mask, you know, it could be a nice, it could be a good way to meet people, like a masquerade party every day. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee this going away anytime mm -hmm. in the next two years at all. Uh, and the vaccine may play some role by next year. But again, figures like, like a flu. I mean, the flu, every six, every six months, we change the flu virus and the flu vaccine to kind of accommodate the next season's flu. Right. If we're lucky, We'll have the same situation with COVID. Um, if we're not lucky, we'll have a horrible combination of those two things together, a horrible you know, uh, synergy or a bad energy of both flu and COVID together. And that would be our worst case scenario. Definitely a possibility. Yeah, wow. I mean, definitely get your flu shot then probably right before definitely that. Definitely get your flu shot. Yeah. Get your flu shot for sure. Get all your vaccines up to date. And I'll, yeah. I'll, I'm going to take my time here to be, a, to be an advocate for a vaccine, whether yes. it's Flu, whether it's H, whether it's, whether it's you know, uh, yeah, any kind of virus, whether it's your, whether it's your, your uh, tetanus vaccine, mm -hmm. your HPV vaccine, 
get all those vaccines, man. You'll you'll be better for it. And don't forget that vaccines may or viruses may play a per, very important role in development of cancer. Many cancers begin as virus begin uh, begin as viruses. Wow. So again, if you could prevent viruses from attacking your body and forming the nidus for the or the nidus or the beginning of an infection that may cause you to have a cancer, who who would be opposed to that? So viruses may play a role not only in illness short term, but in in cancers long term. So again. Mm -hmm. Vaccines are a good thing to have. To get all the vaccines that are available and safe, I would encourage you to seek out those vaccines. Definitely. Um, and you mentioned, you know, with the future obviously not being the same anymore because of COVID, like, uh, what can we see in terms of changes, like, or even if it's still going to keep happening, like traveling, going to bars, going to clubs, um, yeah. being able to, for me, myself, you know, I'm obviously concerned about visiting California again as an sure. expat. Um, a lot of us are super homesick, uh, wondering sure. when we can go home on whatever 10 hour plus flights where you might have to wear a mask. I mean, what do you see as, as that industry, I guess, becoming? So again, I, it's, it's funny how much, again, you know, money drives, profit drives many things. So if sure. I'm an airline, I'm working my butt off to figure out a way to make my filters and my plane so great that I'm going to filter out as many of these viruses as I can. Mm -hmm. So I have, a great, I have a great faith in tech, you can call it technology or greed, to being a good thing sometimes. That airline in particular will make it a point to do up a ways to uh, change the air of their planes more frequently, to be not quite so greedy in terms of you know, putting you know, eight people across what used to be a four across airplane. Um, so you may see some, the price of travel may rise slightly as airlines add more technology and take out some seats. Mm -hmm. But again, I think, I think greed in this case may be a good thing for corporations to recognize, you know, if people don't, if people don't, feel safe in traveling, they will not travel. They will not get in that plane. They will not go. And that's what, of course, would destroy their business, so the, their, destroy their business model. So I think, I think travel is going to change. I don't, I don't think it'll be eliminated. I think we're still looking at, you know, planes being packed. We're still looking at, you know, uh, people still getting some illness on planes. But I think plan, airline industry, I think, make an effort, I think, to improve their filter system, improve their de-infecting system. Uh, it may increase the cost of travel to some degree, but again, this, they're not going to shut. Travel is going to change, but I think travel will still be safe by next summer. But I'm planning to be in, in Scotland with your mom next summer, so it better be better by then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. We definitely want to go meet you guys there, and I, I yes. would love to, to do that. Yeah. But I also would love to go there this Christmas, but I'm not sure if that's going to be possible. So let's again. I, I think it's it's really become a week by week thing for now. Yeah, I think. exactly. It's like a trial as you go, especially with even Germany. Like we're just kind of checking how we can do it, going with the flow, seeing if it's possible yeah. to go back to the gym, to school, to whatever. Um, but I guess over there in the U.S., you know, a lot of people kind of thought. I think it, it like it slowly calmed down a bit and then it got really crazy again yes. and now everybody's back stuck inside and people are like really upset because it's summer which I understand because now I'm super excited to do a road trip to Italy next weekend and people yes. are like kind of upset you know like oh my god you're going there what the heck but but you know is it actually is are there some tips you can give I guess for people who are thinking of doing road trips in California as well yeah. or, or going outside and dealing with mental health issues because of the quarantine like anything else Absolutely. you could recommend yeah so yeah I think, I think I think in some ways, and, and talking to and talking to your mom about how you guys plan to travel is a great way to do it. You, you have your own little pod. You have a, a, yeah. your travel pod. You, you and Florian have the travel pod together. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going to kind of stay together, spend all your time in, in in spaces that are just you two. Yeah, that's that certainly is a good. That certainly is one way to do it. There are those who are doing RV travel, much as our recreational vehicle travel, much the same reason. The idea that your little co your pod, your travel pod, your pod of it was like your circle of trust yeah. is, uh, is, uh, is limited. So again, I think that definitely can work. If you, if you can keep a limited number of people you're coming in contact with, I think it's, I think it's certainly fair to, to not wear a mask with that group, as long as that group kind of stays under some control. And though when someone does get sick, has the ability to contact and says, hey man, you know, John got, you know, he got COVID-19 last week. We saw him, you know, for this many hours that day. It still does take prolonged contact in a certain space, it still requires that. If you're just walking by someone, are you likely to have gotten the disease, getting COVID-19? Probably not. But if you're talking to a guy with or talking to a guy or a gal with no mask on who has no symptoms and just talking and chatting, chat, chat for, for 10 minutes or more, uh, and they end up having COVID-19, yeah, that's the case you probably will get COVID-19, become mm -hmm. COVID-19 positive. So again, if you can limit your contact with people to a limited amount of time, 
you can keep your 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 circle of trust or your pot of your, your your secure pod small. I think you can can it could be done. I think well, you guys are doing it is perfect. You go from you stay in the car a lot. Uh, you're gonna limit your contact with staff. You know at hotels when you do go, you're going yeah. to a place that's the place you're gonna go to is very much an outdoor villa kind of an environment. I think the way you guys are doing it is very safe. It's a good way to do it. It could be done that way. Awesome. Yeah. And I mean, we are actually staying at uh, an Airbnb, I think a couple of Airbnbs. But the thing is, I was thinking, you know, to take our own pillows, for example, just to maintain that like cleanliness in some way. I don't know if that's some, if there's anything else you could recommend for people going to hotels like that might be, you know, with more people yeah. there or Airbnbs even or hostels. So, whatever. So, so again, remember, remember, the most important part of transmission is going to involve these droplets, these exactly. liquid particles that stick on spaces. We have this, believe it or not, the touching things, touching a handrail or a, hand, a doorknob or a, it probably is not a major part of transmission. Okay. Most transmission is done by person-to-person contact in close quarters, like your family, unfortunately. So I don't, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about what I touched per se, okay. but I do worry about who I've stood and talked to for a long time. So again, having said that, in a hotel, am I worried about having my pillow? Eh, not really. Okay. Uh, worried about the doorknob? Eh, not so not so much. Talking to the clerk for 20 minutes? Or yeah, I'm worried about that. The hotel bar, much more worrisome. Hotel gym, very worrisome. Um, so again, as things go, what worries me most is not your pillow or what you come in contact with so much with your hands alone. It's who you come in contact with for prolonged periods, more than 10 minutes of conversation. Okay. Casual without a mask. That's the most worrisome thing of all. So if you can avoid that situation, long prolonged conversations with strangers. Uh, that's more important than how much you, how many times you wash your hands or wipe down the knobs of the doors. Yeah. Way more important than that. Good point. Okay. So yeah, basically avoid people. <laughs> avoid well, people be a little distant. No. Well, wear a mask. If, you're gonna, if you know you're going to yeah. see somebody in, in a situation, if you have to go to, go to the hotel, yeah. you got to go to the front desk, wear a mask. I mean, wear a mask that 10 yeah. minute conversation about your room. And, and then wash, do your hand wash before and after you leave. Mm-hmm. That's, a, you've, I've done a, Make yourself golden in terms of avoiding having COVID-19 infection for those two things alone. Yeah. Um, but you go to a bar and hang out, you know, and talk to you, meet some new people. Hey, I met this new guy, you know, from Venice. I met this new guy, you know, from, from Portugal and he's cool. No, don't do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I think just staying outside, having social distancing mm-hmm. and wearing a mask yep. is required anyway um, in Perfect. Europe still. So it's something we definitely plan on doing, but yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this will go well and nothing goes too crazy. I, 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 I think with those precautions in mind, you'll do yeah. well. Yeah, I think so. And I, like you said, we have like our pod and, and that's something still yeah. in other regions, not, not really Bavaria anymore, but I think if you're driving down from other regions, you're not allowed to drive with other households in the car actually. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind in California as well. If you're doing a road trip, maybe drive separately instead of carpooling with all the people, because then you're being stuck in, in the one, you know, pod with yeah, people from a different household, so. I think it might depend upon how well those people you really know. And how exactly, much, how, yeah. How much, how comfortable you are with making a contact with them and say, hey, you know, I got COVID-19, will you call them and tell them, or will someone call you and tell them they've got it? So if the people you know will do that, I think mm-hmm. you're okay. But again, many times people aren't always so honest, you know, it's, yeah. I mean, it, because there's still some stigma attached to COVID-19, not as bad as some of our STDs per mile, exactly. but still, <laughs> there's still some stigma attached to it. Yeah. So, but again, as we put, you could trust has got to be in there somewhere too. Sure. But definitely. Well, um, I guess one other thing before we move on to the closing question, um, any re- recommended uh, research or sources that you could recommend for people, I guess? It, the biggest thing is, I mean, I don't, I don't, you know, don't do Facebook news. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Well, uh, not social media, maybe, but maybe any any um, medical journals or, or news outlets or anything you've heard from that you could maybe recommend or I can. And to be honest with you, there there are, there are probably there for for the non scientific community, Science Magazine is a great source of information okay. about science. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I recommend Science Magazine for the non scientists, those who are a little more interested in science. New England, New England Journal of Medicine is still a great source of information for the, even for the non-medical person, uh, still a great source of information about uh, medical things. Um, the, so uh, those two, I like, I like in particular for people, science and the New England Journal of Medicine. Um, the other ones that are scientific journals are just kind of hard to wade through all the 
quality of the study, et cetera, et cetera. Again, find a news source you can rely upon. Is, is ABC News or major news sources, are they useful? They actually are useful. Um, if you can avoid the panic, some of the, if you can avoid watching the news at prime time where the guy just making you feel like you're gonna die every five minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, but there are some good facts there. I mean, HCNN, Fox News, all have good facts for the non-opinion shows. I mean, Fox News, again, crazy news source, but for the non, for the parts that are just news, they're fine. It's just when you watch the parts that are not news, but are part of the show, you get some twisted things, but just kind of figure out, again, ask yourself the question, does that make sense? Hearing more than one place? Is there a, just a they involved? That can't be a good source of news. I mean, so again, just don't use Facebook news. Don't use, don't use social media news. Really use a major news source. I think you'll be, you'll be fine. Yeah, and just thinking critically and, you know, maintaining yeah. the hygiene, the social distancing and the mask. It's like the, the main things, you know, the basics. <laughs> does, that, does, that, does that make sense? The answer is, no, that does not make sense. That's a stupid yeah. thought. Then again, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely, for sure. definitely critical, critical thinking is definitely useful. I would definitely <laughs> encourage critical thinking, yes. Okay, good. We have it, Dr. Thompson approved. <laughs> yes. Think critically. Ask awesome. questions. All right, cool. Well, let's go ahead and go into the closing question. Um, it's just a random question. So whatever comes to mind, let me know. So who has impressed you most with what they've accomplished? In life in general or in regards to COVID? Yeah, whatever you want. In life in general, I would say, like, it's a broad question. Yes, as you're, you're an accomplished person yourself. And, you know, I'm curious who has actually impressed you. <laughs> you know, um, God, I mean, I have to, I'm going to give my sister some kudos for sure. Oh, that's sweet. Um, yeah, she's, I mean, she's a remarkable person. Again, she's a, she's a researcher and a, and a, a researcher and a clinician in medicine. Mm -hmm. um, she, uh, she, uh, she's a funny person. She's funny. She's strong. She's independent. I, I love her dearly. So I'm going to give her the, probably the greatest kudos of people like off the top of my head. Um, somebody I really know and have, you know, have contact with frequently. Right. Uh, but still remains humility. In terms of more public figures, um, gee whiz, I mean, it's just, I don't know. There's so many people that I have great respect for. Um, I still love my buddy Obama. Still <laughs> a rock fan. I knew uh, you'd say. <laughs> gotta get rock in there somewhere. Heck yeah. But, yeah, oh yeah. I mean, but so no, see, but but people I, who I have daily contact with, I probably mm -hmm. say my my sister, and also yeah. also your mom too. Your mom's a remarkable person. She's oh, a remarkable really in nice. terms of her. Um, not but not business. I guess why 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 I fools with her. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, smart, strong, independent, has well thought out opinions, um, doesn't mind accepting other people's points of views. Again, those people come to mind to me most, by the way. And my, mother, awesome. my mother's a great person. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, you got, you've got a great circle around you, let's just say, <laughs> of impressive people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, that's great, Brian. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, yeah, it was, it was great to be here. I hope to see you soon. We have I your know. space ready for you here in california so, <laughs> so hope excited. you come out and enjoy it sometime soon yeah, yeah i think you will it's really been a yes. great place to be i can't hope you wait come out and enjoy it as well we we'll look forward to it yes and thank you again for all the information i hope um everybody gets something out of this episode i think it's super beneficial so fantastic it was yeah. a pleasure awesome thank be you. well you too Bye -bye. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram by searching for at GeoMonreal and check out my blog on GeoMonreal.com. Want to be on the next episode? Send an email to lifeisatrippodcast at gmail.com. Music from purpleplanet.com. 